Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. I'm actually a uh, first-generation immigrant. I moved to the United States while I was in high school um, and kind of went through the process of really orienting myself to a new culture, uh, learning the language, and and really, frankly, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I ended up discovering marketing when I was actually uh, in my undergraduate studies and I had an internship and I just fell in love. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I am Jenny Rooney. I'm the chief experience officer here at Adweek, and I'm so thrilled to use this podcast for the chance to talk to some um, incredible marketing leaders um, and other C-suite leaders who are driving marketing within their organizations to talk about the intentional and mindful choices they're making every day in the work that they're doing and how it's driving not just brand but business growth. And today I'm so thrilled to be joined by Victoria Lozano. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me. You're coming to us, uh, I believe, from Crayola's headquarters. So great to see you. I am great being here. Thank you. So thanks for joining me. I mean, I, listen, I mean, I can't think of a more beloved brand and something that uh, arguably everybody has literally touched at some point in their lives. I mean, as kids, this is this is a brand that, um, you know, just is is part of the fabric of of you know, of youth and beyond. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, having a storied um, brand that's frankly so iconic also brings um, certainly opportunity, but also perhaps challenge, right, as you think about bringing it forward. So I'm really excited to get into that with you today and and hear that story, but would love to first have you tell us the story about you. So tell us a little bit about you, your your journey to where you are right now. Sure. So um, I'm I'm actually a uh, first generation immigrant. I moved to the United States while I was in high school um, and kind of went through the process of really orienting myself to a new culture, uh, learning the language and and really, frankly, trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh, because it was just mm-hmm. such a different environment. Um and um, I ended up discovering marketing when I was actually uh, in my undergraduate studies and I had an internship and I just fell in love. So for me, it was... Where were you in for your undergraduate work? Where were you? Um, I was actually at NYU. I studied at NYU. Oh, fantastic. And um, I, for me, it was just really always a matter of what it is in marketing that I want to do and how I want to apply it. So um, I ended up graduating and ultimately got into brand marketing specifically and uh, just love the idea of brands, building brands, um, finding insights. Um, and I'm highly motivated by ability to see the impact of the work that I do. So mm-hmm. uh, that sort of led my career into a lot of different uh, directions and steps. But I worked for some really top notch companies, brands, um, a lot of it actually in uh, CPG marketing. Um, and ultimately, a number of years, I ended up joining Crayola. 
And um, that journey has been absolutely fascinating because, as you said, uh, amazing brand, tremendous equity, um, its own opportunities and it's also its own challenges um, and just ability of finding those meaningful things that can still help advance this amazing, iconic, precious brand forward has been uh, quite an adventure, one that I've really yeah, enjoyed. I, I can only imagine it's interesting, you know, going back a minute to the fact that you went to NYU and and you just sort of fell in love with marketing. Um, I mean, because arguably there there was so much so much opportunity you could have done and gone through down any any lane in business, you know, in in that school and beyond. Um, tell us something about yourself that might not be readily evident from your LinkedIn profile. You know, something that sort of defines you as a person. The reason I'm asking is because I just think. Marketing still does attract, um, I think, a, in the main at least, a certain kind of person with a certain kind of skill set or passion or interests and curiosity. So tell us a little bit about you that um, most people wouldn't know. Um, sure. So I, I think uh, my experience when I was a teenager in terms of just, you know, moving to the U.S. and sort of finding my way, my parents were quite dedicated to just try, frankly, trying to figure out life. So a lot mm. of things that uh, a lot of teenagers have support for, I sort of had to figure out on my own. And I think that was mm. pretty definitive to me as a person, that level of resilience and work ethic and determination and drive. And I think uh, those kind of just more innate, uh, innate um, kind of uh, attributes or, or traits mm -hmm. have certainly been uh, applied quite, quite a bit in my professional life. Um, because marketing is, is a, is, is a discipline. Um, it is a science, but it is also absolutely an art, right? And, um, that degree of perseverance and well, how, how else could we try it? Have we really explored the possibilities? What are we really solving for? What do we really want to accomplish? I think a lot of those, those kinds of things have come from that place of just trying to figure out life. And I think trying to figure out the puzzle of marketing for me has been, has been the, 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 the really amazing and fun experience of my professional life. Yeah. And I, I can, I love that you refer to it as a puzzle because, you know, um, you're based on your, you know, um, your history and your growing up years, um, you probably had a unique comfort in, lack of clarity, right? Like not knowing exactly what was lying ahead of you, but having to figure it out, as you said. And marketing, I would argue, you know, of all the practices in business is, yes, there's a roadmap, but um, it's constantly shifting, right? So it, it absolutely it's, it's is. never the same thing. It never is. Yeah. As in any field, things are evolving very fast, but especially in, in marketing, I, I'm a very firm believer that I think in any situation you face, there's two or three key questions. You never have perfect information, first of all, I should just say that. Yeah. But whatever that. the whatever the issue is, if you could boil it down to the two to the key two or three questions that you need answered, regardless of how much information you have, you should be able to form an informed opinion, point of view, a perspective. But if you get the right questions and then you be able to put a point of view against those questions, the actual decision and the guardrail becomes much, much easier. And where I mm -hmm. think the, the art of marketing is really kind of having, having that perspective to, to come up with what are the right questions? Are we asking the I right questions? That. Once you form a point of view, the decision part 
isn't actually as hard as sometimes I think people make it out to be. But a lot of times the churn happens is because we're not asking the right questions. Mm. I mean, and that comes from curiosity, right? Absolutely. And, and sort of, and that is a certain, you know, not everybody I think um, can has that, that innate sense of curiosity. So, um, all right, now let's talk about um, Crayola. And no no pun intended, you referenced the art of marketing. I mean, obviously, um, <laughs> Crayola is, as I said earlier, and you've said, it's, it, it's such an iconic brand and it lives in the world of creativity and art. And so it, there's something a little bit meta about what you're doing because you're, you're a marketer, you know, harnessing your own create creativity and, and art thinking, even as you're harnessing your data thinking, to drive relevance or continued relevance for um, what has squarely been a brand in the creativity space. So can you talk a little bit about the history of Crayola, you know, as a start? For those who who aren't aware of it, you know, um, how did it come to be and, and sort of what role has it played and for how long? Sure. Well, um, this year Crayola actually turned 120 years old. And um, it was founded by two cousins and inspired by one of their wives, who was a school teacher. And they were mm-hmm. in the industrial chemicals business. Um, and what they did at the time was put their innovation, put their manufacturing um, kind of know-how to help develop products that really were helpful for kids. Their first product was, again, inspired by the wife, was um, dustless chalk because kids were having a hard time breathing in the classrooms. Mm. The, then they turned their attention to crayons because one of the things they believed very passionately um, that was creativity was really important. And it was not just important, but it was actually a critical life skill that was ultimately going to be critical to the potential of each individual child, as well as us as a collective country. And when you kind of fast forward, you know, 120 years back, this is right at the end of the industrial revolution. So, you know, so much around who makes what stuff and how much you make and how you make it. And yet these people really believe that it wasn't what you made or how much you made, but it was really going to be based on, you know, who had the best innovators, the best, uh, you know, creative minds, the best problem solver. That's what's going to make, that was going to make America successful. At the time, pretty novel, you know, way of thinking. So um, that kind of passion, you know, led them to ultimately Crayola crayons, our most iconic product, because they believed that in order for kids to nurture that creativity, they needed to be able to express themselves. They needed to be able to make their thinking visible, and they were going to need tools to help them do that. Um, mm-hmm. And crayons at the time were really expensive toxic. Uh, they were really a mm. high, high-end high art supply. So what they did is they put their innovation and their kind of chemical expertise to help to come up with what became an original eight-count pack of crayons. And they made them, uh, they came up with colors, the eight colors. Um, they made them completely safe and they made them highly affordable because each pack was only five cents. So now you could have that tool to help kids make their thinking visible in the hands of every child. So, you know, fast forward to today, right? 120 years later, a company that has amazing portfolio of products, has tremendous experiences, has incredible library of powerful content, but that fundamental belief in the importance of creativity and the role that it plays in um, in the development of kids and helping each uh, child reach their full potential 
is absolutely still in place. Frankly, I'd say stronger than ever um, and continues mm-hmm. to be the guiding force of everything that Crayola does as a company. So, so the icon the crayon obviously is the is the iconic product. And, you know, Crayola has done extensions just like mm-hmm. anybody else would. Um, talk a little bit about you. You joined in what year? Uh, I'm going right on 15 years. So 2009. Okay. So you've been there through, you know, frankly, a lot of cultural changes mm-hmm. and a lot of technological changes, right, that we've that we've seen as a country and in, in our culture. So, um, you know, how have you sort of sought to lead um, positioning the brand in a way that would, you know, lean into innovation and, and, and sort of stretching the brand into new realms while still being true to the iconic crayon and making sure you're not losing sight of the relevance of it? And the and the um, and the presence of it yeah. in schools, but also in obviously in in um, you know early childhood development. Yeah, well, I think it, it is absolutely true that the, uh, that the crayons it, uh, are and the crayon is our most iconic product, and that's one that we're going to be probably forever most associated with, and that is very very special. But at the same time, I think what really makes this brand magical, it is not, it's that it's not about a crayon, right? It is about inspiring, nurturing, celebra- celebrating their creativity that is so innate in every child. And that, that can take form in a lot of different ways. And in fact, as I mentioned, we have a tremendous portfolio of products, uh, whether that's products that we make on our own or whether it's uh, products that we make with a, li- a licensing partners to, to that same tremendous high quality standard or different collaborations that we may that we may um, explore. But what I would say is in addition to this product portfolio, you know, a number of years ago, I'd say maybe about 10 years ago, we made some really conscious decisions to really begin to look at our business as much more of a 360 degree um, kind of, you know, model, all the touch points that go across products, experiences and content. We've made mm-hmm. concerted effort with expansion into location-based entertainment. Uh, we have mm-hmm. several concepts that are either in market or in development, but our most well-known is our flagship experience called Creole Experience. We have mm-hmm. one here in Eastern PA. There's um, other four other locations across the U.S., and we've uh, made recent announcements for a number of additional locations in the U.S., as well as beginning to expand internationally. Um, and it's really all about how really curating, creating and curating how kids and families experience creativity. And um, so, so, so um, our LBE experiences is now a really meaningful part of not only our business, but how we engage with consumers and how we create these experiences that allow them to immerse um, in creativity, and frankly, help make fam- family memories. Because when you take your kids to something like a Crayola experience, you participate in their creativity. You're engaged, you're there for the day, you're away from all the distractions that normally happen just as regular, you know, course of business and home. Um, and you just enjoy and you help create these, these amazing memories. So, um, you know, experiences, our interactive experiences really, uh, is really an amazing, uh, uh, portfolio. And now we're turning our eye to content. So, um, you know, things such as social and digital, the expansion within YouTube, uh, we have an amazing, uh, program in, within education called Crayola Creativity Week. 
um, which is uh, growing tremendously. And it's just a really, really high quality program that is that we offer completely free um, to all educators and families who want to who want to participate. And we've just turned our attention to entertainment with the launch of Crayola Studios. So sorry, a little bit of a long answer, but there's really no short way of just kind of describing how this amazing brand comes to life across mm-hmm. so many different, you know, vectors. And if you think about this as a 360 degree ecosystem of the Crayola brand, you can really begin to see how that not only deepens the relationship that you have with the consumer because there's now all these different touch points and experience points that, um, that, that, that kids and families might have with the brand, but how that frankly also opens uh, new opportunities for, for growth, um, mm-hmm. in different ways to bring the brand to life that are, um, that you're able to monetize as a business. So you oversaw the launch of Crayola experience. How did that ex- experience, how did that work, um, inform what you're doing now, um, you know, as EVP of marketing? Sure. So Crayola Experience started with this premise that we can create and curate how how kids and families experience creativity, and we can elevate that experience. We can showcase the amazing portfolio products and technologies that we actually offer, because a lot of people don't even know all the amazing products that we make. And we can also um, do it in a way that was highly engaging and repeatable. And uh, we started out with some basics, like what is this concept? Like what's the experience? How do we want people to navigate it? Like what's sacred? What's not sacred? How do we want to think about this? How do we actually run this, right? Because this was obviously not our core business at the time. It is now because we've owned and operated it for a number of years. Um, but at the time it wasn't. So how do you actually build a new sustainable business kind of as a division mm. of this, what is normally prior to that was a manufacturing company. So yeah. I think that's really um, led not only a created an amazing experience, we have like 95% satisfaction ratings, likelihood to return, really high rates of annual pass memberships, which means families sign up with an intent and a commitment to come multiple times during the course of the year. And all of it is really a reflection of the fact that that experience is meaningful, um, that is uh, that is fun and something that families want to do again and again. And I think for us as a company, this was just a, you know a validation, one point among many, that um, this brand is broad. It means something to people. It does not just need to stand for products, right? Um, ultimately, we make amazing products and we have amazing teams uh, and innovation capabilities. But what this brand kind of builds and leads to is just so much bigger. And the consumer absolutely gives us the permission to bring it to life in a lot of these very different ways. Again, experience is just one of them, but there are others. Well, and it sounds like experience of all of them, I mean, that's a really high bar. Like, you kind of went for the hardest thing first, right? And then now, like, doing some of the other things, or at least it would seem on the face of it that if you could do that, you could kind of do anything. You know, there might have been a little bit of that dynamic. Um, How do you think about, you know, as you've navigated, and again, you've been there for um, a number of years, um, you know, the rise of STEM and the technology that's come into kids' lives and and into the classroom, how has Crayola worked to 
weather that storm? Or has it been positioning itself as complementary? Yeah, I think for us, a lot of debates, as you can imagine, especially in the early mm-hmm. days, you know, how, how do we, what does that mean for us? And are we going to be, in, uh, um, you know, the opposite of technology, which to me is just honestly the silliest thing ever. Uh, why would you mm-hmm. want to be that? Because I think at the end of the day, creativity can take shape in many forms. And, um, you know, digital canvas is just another canvas and way ways experiencing creativity doesn't need to be limited to paper doesn't need to be limited to a very specific definition of arts and in fact that would be um, almost narrowing what the brand actually does and what it stands for so for us it's really around you know frankly leaning in into technology but doing it in a way that is complementary and that continues mm-hmm. to enhance the experience of kids and families and the experience of the brand. So, you mm. know, and, and we do it and we bring it to life in a, um, in a variety of different ways. The most obvious is our interactive experiences. We have a couple of tremendous um, apps. Uh, one of them is free, completely free. One of them is a subscription-based app, but just really, really high quality experiences that are engaging, that are fun, that are highly repeatable. We have a million monthly users, as an example, on one of the apps. It's number one app in the Apple Arcade. And um, just because it is a really, really great experience. And it is very branded. It's very interactive. Why wouldn't you want to do that as a brand? Right. Why wouldn't you want to engage your consumers that way? Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome code-dependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Experience a CMS where you can build dynamic content without code. Native localization that lets you translate your site in one click to reach global audiences, and third-party apps and integrations so you can build faster. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Well, and I would argue, though, that, you know, part of the mystique or the ethos or the, the you know, magic of Crayola is it's very tactile, right? It, historically, again, just referring specifically to the crayon, but also just the concept of, you know, putting color to page. You know, it's a very, certainly highly interactive, but it's also very tactile and, and like, and multi-sensory, right? I remember the, you could smell the crayons, you could feel the waxy <laughs> sure, sure. substance, the paper wrapper on the outside. Like, there was a lot of that um, dimension to the consumer experience, right? So, Porting that over to a, a digital environment, um, I'm sure, was not easy. But how were you able to maintain some of those core elements of of the experience? Yeah. So the so in that particular example, the the actual design was was a labor of love, and we've made a very conscious decision as a company that we were going to design and build that internally because we wanted to really make sure to get that experience so brand right. And we worked um, with with an amazing partner to do that, uh, Red Games, but we really managed that process. And then at some point, um, we actually ended up, um, they ended up taking over that app and continuing to build that out. 
Um, so it's really an amazing partnership as a way of doing it. But there's also very mm-hmm. conscious that upfront, yeah. we are going to do that so we can do justice to this brand and we could balance some of the things that you had talked about so that it was, um, you know, we don't get trapped in some of the orthodoxies, but we also are yeah. able to deliver an amazing experience that kids are going to want to play with again and again. How have you brought um, uh, the relevance of Crayola um, to not just kids, but, you know, teens, grownups, you know, is there a place for that? Not just as parents, but like, are there ways for you to think about expanding the market beyond um, and sort of have that applicability for other groups? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I think it's, it's, we definitely as a company, we think ourselves as a company that is focused on kids. In fact, our mission is to to, to partner with parents and educators to, uh, to help raise creatively alive kids. That mm. said, um, our brand is, is really broad and we have, we have professional artists that use our products. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you remember the adult coloring trend of a number of years mm-hmm. ago, which has not yeah. gone away. It's not going the news quite the same as it used to be, but it has not gone away. And frankly, the whole emergence of CIY, DIY also a number of years ago and a lot of adults kind of rediscovering their creative selves, uh, discovering the fact that, you know, hands-on creativity is something that they enjoy. And frankly, sometimes it's just really helpful uh, as a as a de-stressor, as a, just as a as part of emotional well-being. So I think all of those all of those are absolutely true and they exist. And Crayola does offer um, some specialty, some higher end products, some more kind of sophisticated products for, for, for folks who, you know, let's call them at the, for the young at heart, who want to, who want to use it in, in a variety of different ways. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a balancing what's, what's our true and what's our core purpose, but still mm-hmm. being a brand that is inclusive. Um, and, and offer something for everyone who wants to engage with, uh, you know, with, with hands-on creativity. Yeah, totally. How are you exploring accessibility offerings, right? For folks, you know, for whom that would be, um, you know, um, who, who might be, um, sight impaired or hearing impaired or, you know, uh, how are you able to engage and create accessibility for your product in all different yeah, it's kids. it's honestly it's 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 embedded in our design process. Um, it's ways of really understanding how um, how the consumer uses the product. What are some of those opportunities? What are maybe some of the challenges? And how we could be more helpful and accessible as a brand. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, and those are some of the things that all that that just one of the or several of the factors that go into our design process to make sure that our products are 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 designed with with all kids in mind. Yeah. Um creators is such a hot topic right now in the marketing community, right? So, you know, um creators in and of themselves have just they're they're so innovative. The the way they approach content creation and and putting ideas um, out into the world and things for people to consume. You know, how do you think about? Have do you have any intersection with creators? You know, have they done? You know, do you have sort of a community of creators that are um, not just influencers but users of Crayola products in a way that um, is sort of out of your out of your 
out of your control in the best way? And, and sort of how do you engage with that community as well? We, we do. Uh, we have a community cre- uh, of creators that, um, well, hey, overall, there's a very large community of creators that use Crayola. Uh, we do work with a number of them. We also have a number of influencers that we work with. I think at the end of the day, um, there's so many people that use our products in very unique and personalized ways. And we're always going to be there to help encourage support to celebrate this. And a lot of times we focus on user generated content, the ability to just showcase, you know, not even just the people, but what they're able to create, use that as a, as an inspiration uh, to, to others, to be able to, to explore and showcase their own creativity. Last quick question on this point. And then I just want to ask you a few questions about, you know, your leadership um, approach in the company, but um, how do you think about partnerships, collaborations? You know, we just, we see this so much among brands, um, especially right now, it feels like there's a proliferation of, of brand collaborations that we're seeing. Um, how do you think about that? Have you done those? And if so, how are you making those choices and why? Absolutely. We've done both uh, creative collaborations as well as strategic partnerships. Um, and I would say we have done more of them in the fi- in the last five years than we probably had done for many, many years before. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is, um, you know, just re- is the recognition that as amazing as this brand is, um, sometimes we're actually a bigger brand than we are a business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 but also no matter what your size is, you don't always have all the right capabilities at the right time, sort of in the right place, right? So ability to grow, um, and to continue to engage with your brand sometimes requires capabilities that you want to be able to bring in and work with the best, uh, the best in class in, in whatever the area is. And that's exactly mm-hmm. how we've used partnerships. So whether it's, uh, you know, collaborations with other amazing brands or companies, because the power of those two brands has some, has something meaningful to offer and, and bring to consumers. Sometimes there are strategic partnerships where the partner may or may not be uh, as visible, but they bring some unique expertise or capability to the table that, um, that, that we really want to be able to tap into. I think it is really about being choiceful. Yeah. Because you could probably arguably do make a case for doing something with anybody. It's really just a matter of, is it, is it intentional? And are you being, to your point, are you being choosy? Are there any you want to reference or, or speak to as examples of things that you've been most proud of? Um, sure. So we've there's a, there's a number of areas, but we've had really exciting uh, collaborations on 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 the product side, and I'll just use this because it's one of the newest example. Crayola has recently announced the uh, announced the launch of Crayola Flowers, and it's a collaboration with uh, Mrs. Blooms, and it's a completely really breakthrough. A program that leans into Crayola colors, leans into this idea of kindness, um, but also mm. has a significant um, fundraising component where folks are able to support, uh, you know, the charities and the co- co- causes that are close to their heart. It's a really unique mm. way of of doing this, and that's a new program that we just um, that we just launched. And um, so that's a that's a perfect example of a of a collaboration. 
Um, I think partnership, a great example, I mentioned Red Games, right? They had been yeah. involved uh, with uh, Crayola from and building our interactive business from the beginning. Uh, and they're really an important partner of ours as we continue to build out uh, our ecosystem and our offering of interactive experiences. And we've also had uh, recently talked about on the content side, a partnership that we have with the Soul Publishing. Uh, also sometimes mm -hmm. better known as five minute crafts. It's just one of their channels, <laughs> but that's how a lot of folks actually know them. And, yep. uh, we, we partner on both content creation as well as, uh, channel management, um, and driving use of our, uh, crafting content on YouTube. So, you know, here's really drastically different, um, you know, partnerships, right? One is, uh, on the product side, one on the experience side, one on the content side all dramatically different from each other, but partners that were very purposefully chosen, um, yeah. you know, ideas and programs that are very uh, unique in their own right, but all do something very, you know, very uh, consistent, which is bring the brand to life in, in very new, exciting, different ways that create multiple touch points with the consumer. Love that. Um, Victoria, I know you spoke at the ANA Masters of Marketing Conference um, just recently, and obviously, I'm going to switch now to you. You, you know, asking you a, just a couple quick questions about your marketing leadership style, et cetera. I mean, listen, there's so much talk, of course, in in CMO circles and communities, and um, and has been for quite a while, but certainly now more than ever. Um, where, frankly, budgets are down, and and getting strategic and making the right choices is just so key. And back to what we started talking about, you know, there's a lot about the CMO role or, or head of marketing role that's undefined and or at least continues to change dramatically. So, you know, how do you sort of approach that, um, the, certainly the challenge, but also, you know, you, again, it, talk about choicefulness. You have to be choiceful with how you lead and the decisions you're making internally and, frankly, the people inside the organization that you're choosing to collaborate with. Um, get buy-in from and and communicate with in meaningful ways. So talk a little bit about the dynamics there and how you as a marketing leader are feeling the responsibility of what you should do to champion marketing within the company and also obviously, of course, champion yourself, not just as a brand driver, but a business growth driver. Sure. Well, I, I think marketing to me is if you do it well, I think it needs to do two things. One is it's got to build the brand. The, the the equity, the relationship with the consumer. And the second thing, it should drive revenue. If you do this well, it should be a meaningful uh, growth driver. And I think different parts of the company will tap into those two kind of motivators in different ways. But I think at the end of the day, being able to be clear around what you're doing on those two levers, how you're driving mm -hmm. it, what the metrics, and also whose buy-in you need and for what. I think if you do yeah. this right, um, you know, marketing becomes a key growth driver and you should absolutely be really aligned and entrenched with folks like your CFO or your COO, because if you do it right, that they should be able to see the value and the impact and the importance of what, um, you as a, you know, as a CMO or your marketing team is actually working on. So I think yeah. to me that that's really the magic. If you could get those yeah. two things and you have metrics against them, that's when good things happen. 
And, yeah, and that's when you can sure. talk about and a meaningful funding conversation, to your point. Yes, budgets are always tight. But if you're really clear about what you're achieving, how that's driving the business, and what you're going to be able to accomplish by making those investments, those conversations become a lot easier. Skills that you continue, personally you're continually paying attention to in yourself that you want to level up. Um. I think for, you know, so, so what I've, you know, kind of realized there comes a certain point in your career where increasingly you do things and accomplish things through other people, right? So mm-hmm. it's less about what you do day to day and how sure. you um, set the course and how you empower your people to actually get there. So I think from my perspective, the thing that I want to continue to focus on is, hey, how do you lead the, the, the strategic thought leadership and where we're going and why and what do we need to do? What are the bets that we need to make to be able to get there and really having incredible clarity around that? And then the, the people leadership and galvanizing, A, making sure you have the right the right talent, but then galvanizing that talent to drive towards that clear strategy, that clearly established goal. If you could do all those things, the results will be there. Yeah. So I, I always like to ask this question, um, but imagine yourself as a player on a soccer field. Are you sort of <laughs> at the front uh, trying to score the goal? Are you midfield trying to just sort of you know be that go-between between the offense and defense, or are you at the back Defending the goal at all costs from um, from the competition coming in and scoring. Uh, definitely striker. I am incredibly competitive <laughs> by nature, and so much so that my husband refuses to play Scrabble with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I'm highly motivated by results and yeah. um, that that drive to to achieve something and to do more and what's next. I just think it's in the DNA. So. Um, so yeah, definitely up front. <laughs> so watch out for you. I wouldn't want to be in a field with you. That's awesome. Um, last quick question. I mean, with Marketing Vanguard, one of the, the spirit of it is that we're interviewing certainly CMOs and um, CEOs and either even other CXOs around. You know, who are who have a marketing mindset and are driving this um, priority within their organizations. Um, but we also want to create opportunity for shining light on or um, talking to, you know, new new people, new faces, people who are perhaps not as visible in the industry or, um, you know, or just have really, really great ideas to share uh, or even folks who, um, you know, might be rising up in their organizations or in the industry and doing some pretty extraordinary things. Is there anybody you want to reference uh, for us that we should interview next for Marketing Vanguard? Ooh, um, can be somebody you admire from afar and, and don't know at all, or it could be somebody who you know very, very well. You know, that's a great question. I honestly don't know that if I have that I have a name off the top, but I, I'd, I'd be happy to, to give that some thought and and, and circle back. Please I think do. I think it's fantastic um, the idea of showcasing sometimes the, uh, the the ones who are not quite as visible. I think is amazing. So I'll definitely give that some thought. Awesome. Thank you, Victoria. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Reach out to me anytime and hopefully we can see each other in person and you can let me know what that name is. But I would love to continue the conversation uh, in person sometime soon. Um, That would be wonderful. I'll I'll skip out over there to Pennsylvania. Um, Eastern PA, that's where it's at. Uh, Come smell the crayons. (laughs) I would love that. That would be, yes, the nostalgia there would be huge. Absolutely. Thanks so much, and thanks for joining us today on Marketing Vanguard. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.